Well, this past week, Tuesday, was a devastating earthquake in Haiti. 7.0 on the Richter scale. You know, at this point, last I had heard, they were saying about 50,000 had perished. Um, Many, many more trapped under the rubble. They're having issues with food getting in. They're having issues with the water and general health. They're afraid now that more could actually pass away from bad water than from the earthquake. There's a lot that is being worked on physically down there in what's going on. Haiti is in the midst of a nightmare. You know, last week we started a sermon series. It was called Get to the Heart of the Matter. And we started speaking about this gospel-centered life. Having this gospel-centered heart and focus. Question. What difference does it make, this gospel, this good news, what difference does it make in a world that has that kind of stuff going on? Where there's devastation, physical loss, hurt, grieving. Do we really want to talk about the gospel? The question, what difference does it make? Answer, it makes all the difference. Say it with me. Say the word all. It makes all the difference. One more time. It makes all the difference. When we start to talk about which direction we're headed, when we start to talk about what our focus is, may we never release the truth of who our God is and how he's reaching out to work with us. The gospel message, it is essential in moments like this. You know, we're going to be talking, really it's like the gospel-centered heart, take two. That's really what today's message is. You know, we're, we're going to be talking about this preserving aspect. But before we do that, I want to make sure we get the gospel nailed down. Part of the intro here. Let's just make sure we understand the gospel, okay? We've talked about it on numerous different occasions, but here's another way to think of it. Genesis chapter 1. It basically says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and as God created, he looked and he said, it is, it is good. It is good. God created what was good. And things were running in perfection. And things were running in relationship with him. You know, by Genesis chapters 2 and 3, we have this unfolding of Adam and Eve. This storyline of people choosing to go their own way and do their own thing. And the good becomes on a, basically a spiral down of bad. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says basically that through the one man, sin entered the world and death by sin. When we experience things that are grievous and horrible and hurting, we have to understand the gospel confines of that. We've got to be able to look at it and say, we have a God who is good and we have him creating that which is good. And yet we make our decisions and go our own way. And it brings that which is bad, that which is hurtful. And we have a world that goes spiraling out of control because of our decisions. You know, Genesis chapter 3, verse 16 says that the ground would be cursed. Think about that for a second. So we have nature spiraling out. We have our own hearts spiraling out. Everything is moving away from the direction that the Creator has made it. And what's the first thing we do when something bad happens? We close our hands together like this, and then we raise it and we go, How could a good God have allowed such a... Right? 
And in that moment, we have just taken all that should be blamed upon us. And we try to shift it to the one who warrants none of it. But is willing to work with all of it. And that's the gospel message. That we have a God who created good. And as we took it and took it offline, he comes back in, John 3.16, as Savior. And says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Hope. It's Picture this. He's coming in alongside of us in the midst of our hurt. And he's wrapping his arms around us in the midst of our hurt, curled up in pain. And he's pulling us close to him. And he's holding us and he's nurturing us. He is not taking away the pain. He is nurturing us through the pain. That's the gospel message. That we serve a God who says, I love you so much that I'll give my very heart and soul and life for you. Now that's a message worth sharing. Amen. In the midst of pain and loss, we have perspective. We have an understanding of what's going on and how it's going on and how this God is working and what he's doing with us. And as he reaches out and pulls us close to him, how we can sense the almighty like never before. That's the gospel message. As we talk about the gospel today, we need to keep that gospel in mind. As we talk about Haiti, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it at the end of the service. As we talk about Haiti and what our role can be there, we need to have a focus on our Almighty and Him, our good God, our loving Lord, our great Creator, who is willing in the midst of our walking away to go after us and provide for us for all eternity with His sacrifice of His shed blood. Now that's love. Amen? That's the gospel message. As we look at being gospel-centered today, gospel-preserving, may we keep that gospel in mind. Let's take a look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, and we're going to go through chapter 2, verse 10. And the ushers are going to be coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. Just raise your hand if you don't have one. We'd love to get one to you, okay? Just raise your hands and we'll get a Bible to you. We're going to walk verse by verse through this. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. The gospel. What should I be doing in order to stay gospel-centered, in order to help preserve this gospel? First, proclaim with confidence. Proclaim with confidence. Let's just start in verse 11. It says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. I would have you know, this is important. You need to understand this. That's what he's saying, right? I would have you know, I want this in your heads. Keep this in perspective. Keep what in perspective? This good news message that we just talked about, this gospel, it's not from man. Man didn't make that up. Man didn't deliver that forward. That's straight from the Almighty. Paul says, let me give you a little understanding of how. Verse 12. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ, a revealing from Jesus, him sharing with me some insights about what he's doing. I haven't heard this from anybody else. God talking to me. On the road to Damascus, knocked on my back, 
and things made clear. That's what he's talking about. He says, verse 13, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism. Basically, he's going off now and he's saying, hey, you want to talk about that man stuff? Let me give you a little man example. This is the man side of life. I was a part of Judaism. I was a part of your culture, your traditions, the people he's writing to. That's what he's saying. I was a part of that religious flow and movement. How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. I saw Jesus Christ as a threat to Judaism, as a threat to Yahweh. And so I went after it. I went after it with venom. I went after it with passion. I was destroying. I was removing. I was tearing down. I was bringing hurt wherever I could. And I thought I was in the right. Man's teaching. He says, verse 14, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. I was becoming a Jew among Jews. That's what Paul's saying. You want to talk about that man stuff? Let me tell you something. I was doing pretty good in that man stuff. The traditions of man, I had those nailed. And you know what that was doing? It was hindering the cause of Christ. The traditions of man, oh, I understood them. I was killing people because I understood them. Be careful. The man stuff is destructive. This is all about life and reconciliation. He says in verse 15, When he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. He says, I want you to understand this. When God Almighty came and spoke to me and brought this message to me, when he told me, just so you know, I have selected you before the foundations of the world and I am working with you now and I am going to give you something you do not deserve. I am going to give you an opportunity for eternal life. All mankind given this grace opportunity. And Paul says, I'm blown away by the opportunity I was given. And let me just tell you this. In that moment, I didn't go running off to somebody else and say, explain to me what you think that means. Explain to you, me, what you think I should be teaching. Explain to me what you think this whole thing's. That's not what I did. He says, I didn't consult anyone. This message is a message from God Almighty. This gospel message, this good news moment, this is about us hearing what God has to say about us and about him. That's what his challenge is. Know this. This is from God. That's what he's saying. He goes a little bit further in verse uh, 16 here. He says, He was pleased to reveal his son to me that I might preach among the Gentiles. A calling. A purpose. I'm headed for a purpose. I'm going out to make an impact with the Gentiles. That's who I'm going with. Those who don't necessarily even understand who Yahweh is. That's who I'm going to. He says, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. He's just proving over and over again. Please hear. This came from God, not from anybody talking to me. Please know that. This can be trusted with all you've got. It's a message straight from the Almighty. Now he goes into a little bit of better clarifier as to why we can know that and lean on that. He says, After three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James and the Lord's brother. Then he goes into a little parenthetical thought. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. 
Note to self, Paul's pretty serious. Okay? Please hear me. This message didn't come from the apostles. It came from God himself. Why is that important? Here's why. I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Here's what was happening. The apostles were preaching a message to the Jews. The apostles were preaching a message of hope and forgiveness, of shed blood in Jesus Christ and Him, God Almighty, becoming their Savior. And all of a sudden, there's this guy talking to the Gentiles and he's preaching the same message. But they haven't talked. Are you hearing it? They've got the same message and the same hope, but they're going to different people. One to the Jews and one to the Gentiles. And they're both bringing this hope that there is forgiveness in our Savior. That there is hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That we can lean on Him and live in Him and breathe in Him and have eternal life with Him if we have faith in His shed blood for our forgiveness. Paul was sharing the same thing as the apostles. And it brought glory to God Almighty as the church glorified God for seeing Paul at work. Hey, that's a guy who used to kill people. And now the thing he was killing them for is the thing he's preaching about. God at work. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I just saw somebody's heart turn. That's what they're saying. Wow, God must have really gotten a hold of that guy. Can you imagine being that guy? I can't imagine trying to go after people and kill people. And then all of a sudden God's like, hey, you're against me. Can you? That's what the talk was. The buzz was, do you understand God at work in the middle of that guy's life? That must be God moving. Praise him. God being glorified. And now our challenge piece. After 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation set before him. This is in chapter 2. It says, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure that I was not running or, or had not run in vain. This gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles. That's our mission and our call. May we be about proclaiming the very thing that we understand comes from God Almighty. The simplicity of it, the hope of it, the hope of a relationship in Him. May we be proclaiming and sharing and reaching out. I'm telling you, this week, you're going to be running across it over the next several weeks at work, in your family. The number one question on any person's heart who isn't sure where they stand with God How could a loving God do such a... You need to be ready to answer. We need to be ready to simply say, we believe in a God who is so awesome and so perfect and created everything good. But let me tell you this, in his vast wisdom, he also understood the need for freedom. That he didn't create a myriad of robots, but instead he created freedom. And in the midst of freedom, there is choice. And that choice has cost us. That separation, that basically spiraling down of the world and of those around us. That's what's going on. It's a great moment of message. It's a great clarifier. We have to be careful when we're talking about it. Be very careful. There are those who have been quoted as saying that this earthquake is punishment or judgment. Watch out, watch out, watch out. Be careful what you're saying. Do we believe that earthquakes are the destruction and the falling apart of this world when God said in Genesis 3 that this world is cursed? Yes. Be very careful to say that this is a judgment on a specific group of people for a specific action. Did God talk to you and say that? 
Be careful saying that. Okay. What we need to say is the earth is cursed. It is falling apart. You know, a little bit of uh, foundational. They said there's over 130 earthquakes in the last 10 years. And before that, it was like 10 earthquakes a year for a whole hundred years. There's more coming around. There's more going on. We need to be able to begin to explain what God's doing and how he's working with us. A call to a relationship with him. Picture our God reaching his arms around us and pulling us in and holding us and nurturing us through the pain, through the pain. That's what it's all about. You know, there was a man named Anthony Campolo. He was a sociologist and he was working at a junior high camp. And there was a kid at the camp who had a a spastic speech um, issue. And basically it would cause him not to be able to speak, but but to hiccup his way through, to kind of hack his way through. And the kids that week were ruthless in mocking him, in shaming him, in calling that out. It got to the end of the week, and this counselor had seen it happen so many times. And it was time for testimonies at the end of the week around the fire. And a couple of the boys said, hey, dude, you should do it. And they were trying to get him to talk in front of everybody so that he could be humiliated again. And he said, okay. And they were like, whoa, he's going to do it? And as he stood up to talk, they were all just whispering and giggling and nudging each other and making fun. And he started out and he raised his hand and he said, Jesus loves Jesus loves me and 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 I and I love him counselor said that's all that was said and kids everywhere went quiet and in the moment of that truth being wrestled with kids began to cry hearts began to change do you know that there are Somewhere around 50 people who can say that that night was the night they gave themselves to Christ. Huge numbers of people. Not because of some complex argument, but because of this simple statement. I stand on the gospel. I stand on who Jesus Christ is. He is loving me and I will reciprocate. I love him too. It's that simple. My question to you is this. Are you ready to be used by the Almighty? We are in a moment in a season where people are asking questions. Are you ready to simply say, I stand beside Jesus Christ? This is an amazing moment and there's a ton of complexity and there's a lot of questions I can't answer, but this I can. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Let's not make it overly complex. Let's just be bold. Bold meaning... Not being a jerk, but bold meaning be vulnerable. Willing to share a little bit of yourself with those around you and how they're hurting. Proclaim it. We must bring the gospel to bear. And the truth of it and the whole of it. Don't relegate it off to the corners like it's just some spiritual thing and that physical stuff is something else. We're going to get to that in just a second in the second part of this passage. It is about the reality of a God reaching into this world and making an impact in our lives. Amen? Amen? Amen. That's the gospel message. It is real. It is today. It is physical and spiritual. May we understand that God cares and he's reaching in and he wants to be a part. May this be a call 
to all of us to proclaim him with all authority and power, with all conviction. Proclaim with confidence. That's what it's about. Okay? Second point. We need to preserve with conviction. We need to preserve with conviction. Let's grasp this out of these few verses here. There's uh, four ways we can preserve that are given. It says, Even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. He was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. In other words, you know, if he comes from that Greek culture, circumcision isn't a part of it. But the Jews would believe you have to be circumcised. The battle going on in Galatians is they were saying, if you're not circumcised, you can't be saved. It was ridiculous. They were adding to the gospel. And he said, hey, take a look at Titus. He didn't get circumcised. A believer. One of the ways that we can preserve the gospel, I just wrote this term down. Ensure that our actions do not miscommunicate the priority. Ensure that our actions do not miscommunicate the priority. If we try to make all these other things we do be the center, we're miscommunicating. We're confusing it. May we make the center of the gospel the center of the gospel. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Faith in His shed blood and that alone. Life in Him. The others, all the other stuff in the scriptures is the outside. It's our ability to say thank you to him for what he's done for us. He said, Titus didn't go through the circumcision. Don't do the extras that confuse it all. Verse 4, Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Allow the scripture to lead, not outside pressures. Allow the scripture to lead, not that influential person in the body who really seems to be liked by everybody and known by everybody or seems to be serving everywhere, but he seems to be telling me that I should be pushing some other way. No. What does scripture say? And let's move that way. Let's follow the word of God, not the influencers. And we'll be following and preserving the gospel. Okay? So first, don't miscommunicate. And second, follow scripture. Next piece here. He says, To them we did not yield in submission, not even for a moment. And then in verse 6, And from those who seem to be influential, Paul gives a little jab. What they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. little dig. Got to love it. Paul's getting a little emotional. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. I will not be influenced by people. It's the word of God. They added nothing to me. And then down below he says, when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Serve faithfully where God's called you. What's God called you to? How has he called you to make a difference? We talk about our roles within this body, and Ephesians chapter 4 tells us, you have been brought here to help equip the body and grow it. We need you. We need you serving wherever God's brought you and prepared you for. I'm not sure what those roles are for a lot of you. Let's find them and get you in the spot. Maybe it's teardown. <laughs> Who knows, right? We got a ton of needs going on around here. And God has gifted you. Maybe it's a behind-the-scenes helper. That's a great spot. Maybe it's about in front. You love to be teaching. We got opportunities in the kids' ministries and the student ministries and the adult ministries. Where has God called you to be serving, to make an impact for him? That's part of preserving the gospel, is showing him to be worth serving 
and worth loving. Amen? That's a big piece of gospel preservation, is you serving where God's called you to be. We call it work for Christ around here, right? Worship, walk, work, and witness. Huge piece of it. And then the last part. It says, verse 10, Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. The very thing that I was eager to do. They said, please be a witness. Please be a light to the community. Have you ever heard the phrase, so much heavenly focus that you're no earthly good? Have you heard that phrase? I'm not exactly sure what it means. But it does probably try to hit on this. Does this world, are you around here at all? Do you see anything? Are, are you reaching in in any way to make an impact? A, a part of why we're here is, for example, as this phrase says right at the end in verse 10, remember the poor. You know, the best thing we can do as we put this whole thing together in preserving the gospel is think this way. The truth of our almighty God, the truth of his love for us, the truth of his purity and his goodness, his authority and his righteousness, the truth of a God who is so worth knowing and being saved by, that God, may we lean on him. And may we help others to see him clearly. May what we do preserve that truth. And may others be able to say, wow, now that's a God worth knowing. As we take a look at what's going on in Haiti, as we take a look at the devastation there and some of the questions that are going on here, the only thing I could think of this week is we need to come up with something for how we're participating, how we can be a part. The neat part is that we, uh, and Thursday, as I was talking through this and praying through this, and I had just talked with Kent, it turned out that uh, on Thursday we ended up getting a call and we're rallying together all the Harvest Bible chapels to do something. So we're going to talk about it a little bit more after, but I want to roll a video right now. This is a message from James McDonald. He's a senior pastor at Harvest Bible Chapel Rolling Meadows. Uh, he taped this this week and got it out to the various Harvest churches, and all of us are going to be playing it this morning. And we're all going to hear a word from him as a challenge for how we can do a collaborative effort in reaching out to preserve the gospel. How we can be a part of a collaborative effort to help reach out and be a light in a dark world. Let's go ahead and play this. <laughs> 